0: As he ends, he says, "As you sing, pray, and follow along in the Bible, all hey, go for it, do it that 's kind of what we 're doing, except you don 't have Bibles open yet. as you do those things, be careful how much you allow your heart to lean in to lean in toward God, toward the other people in the room. Why well, you know, there will be a time for you to lean in more, but it, it might not be today because life is." so hectic right now. Your focus is not here. You know, how much can you really see change in 60 minutes? And is there anything that this guy can really say that's going to matter to my life? So there will be a time to lean in, but, but not today. You know what? That's shallow, and that is passive involvement. I'm just singing along. I'm, I'm closing my eyes. I'm reading along. That is shallow and passive involvement, and that is the deepest that Satan really wants for us to go on a Sunday morning. And I want to challenge you to go beyond shallow and passive participation. You see, <sighs> leaning in today might not be the day. You know what? The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. When we lean in, He inhabits. He comes to dwell. He inhabits the praises of His people. When we lean in, there's a <laughs> world's collide. Amen. Like, that's my God. He says, you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. He is searching for those who will worship him in spirit. And He is searching. Amen. The Bible says, if we seek him, we will find him. If we seek him with our whole heart. You've got to remember that. If we seek him with our whole heart. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And I will not harden my heart. The Bible says that we need to pray and believe that God answers. Those who don't shouldn't expect anything at all. That's James chapter 1. The Bible says that God rewards those who diligently seek him. So all that all that stuff that taps into your feelings and taps into your experiences and says, you know man i just don't know if if i got if there's anything that's really going to happen today if this is really for me I'm, you know i'm just showing up because that's what a good christian does i'm just supposed to be here and you know honestly we i think all of us go through a season like that and we we follow these little subtle lies subtle deceptions and and we're almost like autopilot and lulled to sleep and i'm telling you that today is the day for transformation today is the day for victory today is the day that you see change right now. And you don't have to go home the same way you came here. Amen? So, Kevin, would you pick up on this and give us a little more information about who Satan is?
1: I'm going to throw at you 10 words. And you've heard these words before, but I really want you to listen and to focus on these 10 words. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Ten words. Think of that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Those ten words are the first ten words we are introduced to in our Bible. Those ten words alone are a core foundation to your Christian faith. If you do not believe that God is a creator and God creates and that God created the heaven and the earth, you might as well stop at those 10 words because anything else that you read in his word, you will not believe. In the beginning, God created. That means God created all things, all things that we see, all things that there are on heaven and an earth. Very core foundation to your Christian faith. You might say Kevin why are you saying that? I'm going to speak on the topic this morning, mission scrubbed, the fall from grace which is Lucifer. We see in the book of Job that we see at the time that God created the heavens and the earth, we see that the angels was present. We see that in Job chapter 38. When Job is going through all his trials and all his temptations and and he's being attacked by the enemy, this is one thing that a lot of people say we're not supposed to question God. Did you read the book of Job? Did you really read it? Because... When I'm reading through Job and I'm reading through the book of Psalms, they're questioning God. How much longer, God, is my enemy is going to prosper? How much longer are they going to come against me? Those are questions. Let me tell you, God is big enough to handle your questions, your problems, and your situations. A lot of people misinterpret the book of Job because they said, well, because God rebuked Job and he didn't answer him. If you read through the rest of the Bible, you see where where God says, come, let us reason together. When you reason with somebody, you have a dialogue with someone. You ask them questions, they, they give you answers. God is answering God. So that myth is busted. You can question God. He is big enough that he wants you to relate. He wants you to come. He wants you to seek him for answers, And we see here that God does answer Job and he says, well, you had a few questions for me, but I have some for you. He says, where was you at, Job, when I created the heavens and the earth? Where was you at when I told the oceans, you can only come this far? Where was you when I put all the stars in the heavens and the sun and the moon? Where was you at? And then he says, and the angels all applauded. At my work, so we're seeing here. This is what I want you to understand: is that the angels was present at the creation of the heavens and the earth, and that means Lucifer was there as well. With that being said, let me let's put up Ezekiel twenty-eight. I would encourage you strongly not just because i'm preaching but i do believe there's a lot of principles here that you can apply to your life you don't hear a lot of messages i don't hear a lot of messages priest preach on lucifer and satan a lot of churches are afraid to preach this today so it is not because I'm preaching this, but I do believe that if you go into battle and if you believe in spiritual warfare, we are to go into battle prepared, meaning that we are supposed to be not ignorant of our enemy's devices. So I'm giving you some principles today. I'm giving you some information that can help you in your life and with your spiritual journey to victory. All right. All right. I have to move these because I want to trip over them. There really isn't that many scriptures um, that talks about uh, Satan, and that's understandable because God doesn't want us to, talk, to necessarily focus um, and give our enemy glory, but he gives us enough scriptures that we can tell a lot about our enemy. This is one of them. It's Ezekiel 28, and it's the son of man singing the song, funeral song for the king of Tyree. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. Now, this, it, when you read this, this verse, it is paralleling between a man, but it is also paralleling that this king of Tyre is influenced by Satan. And, the, and God uses Ezekiel to bring forth the characteristics of Satan. Okay, so this is what, when we read this. You were the model of perfection. He was created perfect. Full of wisdom and exquisite and beauty, had all wisdom. You were in the garden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone: red carline, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue laspis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald. All beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest. Gold, they were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian, meaning that he was placed in a high authority. He had those people under him. He had angels under him. He was placed in a esteemed position. He said, you had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless. Do we see this? You were blameless. God created him perfect, full of wisdom, full of beauty, and blameless. And all you did from the day you were created until, you can underline that in your, in your Bible, until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence, and you sinned. This phrase in the Hebrew means that what happened was that Satan, your rich commerce, your Bible, your translation might say your trade, your traffic. What this is saying is that Satan went through the other angels and was leading a rebellion against God, against his word, and against his character. And this is what Satan, this is what this phrase is saying. This is what this verse means. That he was in your, in your rich comment, commerce, that you was spreading seeds of discord among the other angels against God. He said, so I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride. This is the cause of his fall. Your heart was filled with pride because of your beauty. He took, he began to be prideful of his wisdom, of his beauty, of his position that God put him in, and he became prideful. It was corrupted. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor, you wanting to be somebody. You're taking glory for all that you are instead of giving God for the glory that he created you to be. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. You defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins, not one, but many, and your dishonest trade, dishonesty. So I brought fire out from within you and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. A very important scripture because I'm going to make um, parallels to this scripture later. You will see how all this sets in. Proverbs 16.8 tells us that pride goes before a fall. The message Bible says it comes first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego you have, the harder the fall you're going to receive. We see that in Lucifer. Paul warns Timothy in 1 Timothy that he talks about Timothy, when you're placing leaders and you're placing elders and you're placing people in a position of leadership within the church, he says, don't put a new Christian or the King James Version says a novice in place of an elder. Meaning if you're a new convert, if you're a new Christian, it takes time for you to grow. It takes time for you to get to know God's word and to come into his presence and to experience that. And it says, he says, don't put a new Christian in a place of a high position. Why? Because he might become arrogant like the devil and be condemned. There's a warning for it. We see that the mission of Satan is scrubbed in Isaiah 14. God did have a mission for for Lucifer, and he, he... He was to lead worship. I mean, he was a high esteemed. He was ordained. He was created with all this beauty and talent and gifts within him. And the mission that God had for him was to lead the worship of heaven. Very high position. And we see that because of Lucifer's choices, that God had to scrub that mission. He had to wipe that mission out. Isaiah 14, 12, and 14, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, Here is the example and the epitome of pride. He was a created being, we are created beings. But when we begin to be prideful of our own selves, if we begin to take pride, well, I got that position at my job because, you know, of my own skills and talents. Nobody helped me. Well, God's not going to pay my bills, so I'm not going to be able to make it to to church. If God knows. He understands. You know, it takes consecration. It takes commitment. And it takes the knowing that God is our provider. I'm not against people who work. I'm late getting here because I work. That's not what I'm saying. But listen to what he says. He says, I will ascend into the heavens. I will. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars also in the Hebrew language can also mean angels as well. So he is even esteeming himself now even higher against the other creations that God has created. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest side of the north. He is wanting not only to become like God, he's wanting to dethrone God. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I will. I will. And because of these choices, God had to scrub the mission And the plan for Lucifer to be the worship leader. We see in John chapter 8 and 44, we see the characteristics of Satan. We see what is behind him. We see what is in Satan. When Jesus says, for you are of you are the children of your father, the devil. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to the Jews that are there that are coming against Jesus and accusing him and saying that there is no truth in him. And and Jesus is saying, you are of your father, the devil. You love to do evil things. He does. He was a murderer from the beginning. We see that. He was a murderer from the beginning. We see that in Cain uh, slaying Abel. And God told Cain, you better watch. Because sin is creeping at your door. Or it could be translated, Lucifer is crouching at your door. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. There's no truth in him. He hates truth. So he hates God, he hates his word, and yes, he hates you. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of it. Here's some titles in the Bible that is compared to Satan. We have that he is a destroyer. I'm sorry. Yes, Satan compared to. uh, These are the influences that we have. The Bible says that he's a destroyer. He's a roaring lion. He's a serpent, a dragon. He appears to us as an angel of light. See, a lot of of people paint this picture of Lucifer that he has these horns and he has, you know, this tail and he has this pitchfork. I don't read that in scripture. I just read to you how Lucifer is described in scripture. Beautiful, full of wisdom, created being. This is how he wants to appear to us, to be like, oh, we're watching out for anything that appears evil. Oh, that person, they have earrings and piercings, and they have long hair, and they're wearing black. Oh, that's, that's evil. He's not going to appear to us like that. He's subtle. He's, he's crafty. He's smart. He's full of wisdom. He distorts truth, and he appears as the angel of light. He's going to appear to you of something that you want and you desire. He's not going to appear to you as something that you're going to to pull away from and despise because he knows you'll be looking for that. But he's going to wrap it all up in a nice gift and put a real nice pretty bow on it and even sign your name on it and present it to you. That's what he does. And the Bible even says he's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, In Luke 10, 18, he says, I saw uh, Satan fall. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This scripture parallels with the one that I just read that it talks about Satan falling. And there was fire that came out and fire consumed him. It parallels. Jesus says, I saw him fall. This portion of scripture shows that when he was cast out, that it was an open humiliation, and it was a sign of defeat, that your mission has been scrubbed. You are not going to be able to pursue in your deceit, and your conniving ways. You have been stopped. I want to talk about the influences of Satan in our lives how he comes at us, how he influences you. And we see in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, it says, now the serpent was more subtle, more smart, more crafty than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said? That puts doubt in the mind of humanity. He was putting doubt in the mind of Eve, half God said. It is showing that it's putting doubt against the Word of God. Are you really a Christian? Is this really the Word of God? Is this really absolute truth? Does absolute truth exist in the world today? Is Jesus really the son of God? Is Jesus really the only way? Or is there other ways that we can come into the father? This is what he has been doing from the time that he fell from grace. Coming against the word of God. We see in the video that was shown. He brings truth. He knows the Bible. And I hate to say he knows the word of God more than some Christians do. And this is how he was able to tempt Eve because Eve put in place, well, God says we shouldn't touch it. Boom, he got her. God did not say that you cannot touch it. So he knew then Eve didn't know the word of God. Why do you think that Pastor, myself, and Joel get to you and say, get into the word of God. Read the word of God. It is what he's going to re- is transform your mind. So many people, he comes to you and he wants to put doubt in your mind. He wants to steal your joy. He wants you to be depressed. He wants you to be addicted and hooked on drugs that keeps your mind so off focus of the word that you are walking around like zombies and cadavers. Before God and before him. And he's like, you know what? You're you're doing it yourself. I I don't even have to tempt you anymore. You're already hooked. Get into the word of God, church. This is what changes your mind. This is why we even have the reflect. It's not just another program we're putting out there. We're trying to equip you. We're trying to build you up. And this, if we're not preaching this, you might as well pack up and go home. Because this is absolute truth in the in the world today so he wanted to put doubt between god now here's here's a unique theme as a deceiver he is trying to alienate man from god do we see that he says oh, did god really say that so now he's trying to alienate you from god from the word of god oh well yeah maybe god really didn't say that he goes on he said now as As the accuser of the brethren, later in scripture, we find that he goes to God and he accuses you before God, trying to alienate God from you. Deceiver alienating you from God and the accuser of us before God, he's trying to alienate God from us. I want us to get this morning that we have a real true enemy and he really hates you and he wants to see you destroyed and he wants to see you wiped out. He is not your friend. He doesn't have anything that you want as a Christian. He doesn't have anything that you need and all that he comes because that's all that's in him is lies, deceit. This is what he wants from you. He hates you. Some people say, well, that's a strong word. That's right. And if, if there's a stronger word, I'd use it today. He hates you. He wants you dead. He wants you destroyed. He knows he will be in eternal hell. And he wants you there with him. The serpent then said to her, you will not surely die. Again, twisting the word of God. We see this is as a liar. And now he's coming against the divine pronouncement from God. God said, you shall die. And Satan saying, you shall not surely die, coming against the divine pronouncement of God. He goes on as the accuser again of God and says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's another lie. Because he didn't tell them exactly what what that meant. They will die. And your knowledge that you're going to be getting is not the knowledge of all that God is, but no, because they was placed in the garden naked and unashamed. But the first thing they did was when they sinned and disobeyed is it was a cover up. God says, I created you. Beautiful. I, I created you. What are you covering up for? This is what we want to do. Continuing first John two sixteen. This is how Satan tempts us. It says for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It is not of the father, but it is of the world. We see in the temptation of Eve, this is how he tempted her. So the woman in verse three, uh, Genesis 3, 6, so the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Do we see, okay. She saw the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh. Let me tell you, let me tie this into how this happens. Okay. Me as a man, I can look at another woman and say she's a very attractive woman, very beautiful. Okay? That's not a sin. That's not I'm not being tempted with that. I'm admiring. Yes, God has created a beautiful woman. You can the thought that comes in your mind is not a sin. It's yeah, the second time. <laughs> yeah, you can glance once but double take? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't stop the thoughts. But you can stop what you do with the thoughts. I'm going to get into that here shortly as well. So lust of the flesh. That it was pleasant to the eyes. Lust of the eyes. Oh, I I want this. And the tree desirable. See the desire? Desire to make one wise. That's the pride of life. Why is that the pride of life? Because all wisdom comes from God alone. And now she's wanting to elevate it and she wants to speed it up. And now she's seeing, oh, it's desire. I'll be more wise. I'll be like God. That's the pride of life. And she took of it and ate. And here's the thing, men. We want to blame the woman. But what does it say? She also gave to her husband with her. With her. We want to always blame the woman. The man was there. Where where was Adam protecting? There was another man, so to say, speaking to his wife. And he knows what the word of God says. Why didn't he say, what are you doing? Get out of here. He was with her, and he partaked, and he ate of it as well. We see the parallel to the temptation of Christ. We see that when Jesus was fasting for 40 days, he came, Satan came to him, and he said, stones, he says, why don't you make these stones become bread? He knew that, he knew that Jesus was hungry. He knew that he was, he was fasting, and that would be the lust of the flesh. He went up to lead Jesus onto a pinnacle and he says, why don't you cast yourself down for it is written. So now he's quoting scripture to to the word incarnated. He says, but if you cast yourself down, won't the angels come and, and rescue? If you did, if you did a reference to that scripture, he twists that too. He was tempting him with the pride of life. And then the last one, he says, he shows them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he says, that if you would give yourself to me and bow down and worship me, this would be the lust of the eyes. Here's the thing that Jesus was more smarter to realize. Satan was going to show him all the kingdoms of the world and said, why don't you bow down and worship me? The kingdoms of the world at that time was warring with each other. There was no peace in these kingdoms. So he was going to offer Jesus, kingdoms that was already divided, kingdoms that there was already turmoil in, there was not unity. This is what Satan does to us. He wants us to paint a picture that, that we would be like, oh, it's so beautiful, but it's not. It's end is destruction. Here's the evidence of being influenced by Satan that we can look in our lives. How can we tell if we are being influenced? Right here. Failing to please God and keep his commandments. Hating anyone, do you have hatred towards anyone other than the devil? Do you have hatred against an ex-boyfriend, an ex-girlfriend, an ex-husband, an an ex-wife, against your child, against anybody in your life that might have harmed you or hurt you? Is there hatred there? Well, Kevin, you don't know what they've done. No, I don't know what they've done. But the Bible tells us that we are to forgive. The Bible always doesn't tell us that every relationship and every situation has to be reconciled. But we do have to forgive. We are called to forgive. Failing to overcome Satan. What does that mean? That we are failing to overcome temptation. That we keep falling into temptation over and over and over again. Loving the worlds and the things in it. The Bible says that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. So if you love in the world, if you're loving going out and you're partying and you're drinking, you're going to strip clubs and you're fornicating and the list goes on. You're loving the world and you're loving the things in the world. You need to check yourself. Leaving Christian fellowship. Well, they didn't shake my hand this morning. I'm out of here. That preacher was a little bit loud. I'm gone. Ignoring truth. What does that mean? God has placed people into your life. God has placed people here, elders, deacons, pastors, associate pastors, whatever that God has elevated, God has given them gifts and talents and abilities to bring, to equip the church in Ephesians 4, to equip you. The Bible says they are, we are a gift to you. And if we come to you, you come to us with a, a, a situation in your life, and we're giving you sound biblical counsel from the word of God. What are you going to do with this truth? Well, I don't, I don't like what he said. He don't know my life. No, but God does. And if you believe that God has appointed him here and that God is speaking through him, he's going to be able to speak into your life as well. So what are you going to do with the truth that's been presented to you? That's a choice. Denying God and Jesus. Making no effort to purify yourself. When you repent of your sin, it's a change. Stop it. Don't justify it. Committing sin. I I, I wanted to change this to a lifestyle of sin. There's a difference. There's a difference if you're walking on your Christian walk and you trip over sin. Meaning that you're you're hammering and you hit something, you cuss and you swear. There's a difference of tripping over. And there's a difference of I'm going to camp here. I'm going to continue to cheat on my wife. She doesn't have to know about it. I'm my own, I'm my own person. She don't have to know. And I continue in that lifestyle of sin. That's the difference. Being destitute of the holy, of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, thinking I don't need it. I, I, you know, I, I don't need it in my life. Yes, you do. The Bible says, if you do not have the spirit of God, you are none of his. Having no personal acquaintance with God or knowledge of eternal life. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. I don't have to seek wise counsel. Jesus said that in the last days, when he's sorting out the sheep from the goats, he says he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And there's one reason why. He says, because I never knew you. You didn't have a relationship with me. You didn't care about me. You didn't seek me. You didn't read my word. To get to know the author, you have to read the book. Making no confession of Jesus. Does your co-workers know you're a Christian? Does your neighbors know that you're a Christian? Does your spouse know you're a Christian? No confession whatsoever in your life of Jesus. Being overcome by the world. You might ask, Kevin, what what is God's purpose in allowing Satan to continue? Here it is. To develop character and faith in the believer. Meaning that you would endure temptation, you would overcome temptation. To keep the believer humble, the thorn in the flesh that Paul experienced. To provide a conflict for saints, that they may be rewarded through overcoming. We Yes, God allows things to happen in our lives. God allows testing. But the testing is this, that he has enough faith in you that you will come through your trial and test into victory. That's why he allows the testing. He's not going to test you if you're not ready to pass the test. To demonstrate the power of God over the power of Satan. When Jesus and the disciples came to this man that was blind, who sinned? Jesus said, nobody sinned, but that my glory will be revealed. This is why things happen sometimes in our lives. That we can see the glory of God in the midst of your storm, your trial, your pain, hurt, and sickness. That God is there. To use him, Satan, to afflict people, to bring them to repentance. The same thing um, within our lives. He can allow things to happen that he's trying to get our attention. Hey, it's been a while. haven't heard from you. You haven't been praying. You haven't sought me. He can allow things to happen so that we come to the knowledge of God. And to purge men of all possibility of failing in the future. In the eternal future. Let me tell you something. These things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Liars, fornicators, haters, adulterers. The list goes on. You have assurance that in heaven, you won't be tempted again. He's dealing with it and he will deal with it in the end. There will not be no sin and temptation in heaven. Yes, can you put that back up, please? Yes. I can put this on the city, too. Second, uh, uh, in your bulletins, there, there was questions. I know I'm, I'm going a little quick, but I want to get this, get this through. I want you to think of two people in your life right now who is influencing you. Just take a moment. Think of two people in your life that is influencing you. What are you doing with their influence? Are they challenging you to come up? Are they challenging you to come closer to God? Are they challenging you to come closer to the word of God? Or are they challenging you to come closer to the world? Now, I want you to think of two people you are influencing in your life two people that you're influencing. If you're a parent, of course your children, grandparents, your grandchildrens, aunts, uncles, or it could be co-workers. It could be friends, families. Two people in your life you're influencing. Now here's the last one. How is Satan? in you in your life right now if you were to do a self-evaluation of your life can you see any of these ways listed that satan's influencing you if so you need to get it out quick today second corinthians two eleven says lest satan should get advantage of us for we are not ignorant To his devices, meaning that we are knowledgeable. God has given us strict instructions and characteristics of the enemy that we can know and not to be ignorant of his devices. He even tells us in Ephesians chapter six, he says to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Why do we have to put on the whole armor of God? Because you can stand against all the strategies and attacks of the enemy. We are victorious. We are to enforce the victory of the cross of Calvary, and to, avoid, and to enforce it against the kingdom of darkness. We are the victors. He is a defeated foe. Thank you, Jesus. Here's another one, James 4, 7. I want to get to this. So many people misquote the scripture. They want to say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Wrong. You just misquoted scripture and you just twisted it. There's a reason that it says, so place yourself under God's authority. Satan, Lucifer was not under God's authority when he's saying, I will, I will, I will. Why is this important? It's important that even in your local church, that God has set a pastor over you for the watchman of your souls. That's what the Bible says. I'm not here. Pastor didn't give it to me to preach. It's the word of God. So if you are out of submission and you're saying, well... Pastor, I, I, he, I'm not submitted here. I'm not submitted to this church. You have no covering. I want you to get it. You have nobody that's covering over you. So you're saying to yourself, I will cover myself. Pride. Very dangerous territory. You might say, Kevin, you are kind of exaggerating. No, I'm not. This is the word of God. You submit yourself to God's authority, and God says that he has placed people in the church in your life that has authority over you, and you are to submit. Because if you do not submit, you cannot resist the devil. Because he didn't resist, he didn't submit to God either. Submission. Let me go on. This is a very important, I want to I get here. James chapter 1. This breaks down sin. This breaks down how we are led into sin. This is a very important scripture. I would like you to write this down if you can. And we need to understand this. Everyone is tempted. It says right here. Everyone's tempted. How? How are you tempted? By his own desires as they lure him away and trap him. What is this saying? This is what this is saying. Satan knows how he's going to tempt you. Okay, for me, praise you, Jesus, I've never done drugs in my life. Okay, not tempted with that. Well, wait a minute. I smoke and drink, so that could be a drug. I'm talking about marijuana, heroin, things like that. Wasn't tempted with that. But Satan knows ways in me because of my own lust and desires of how he can tempt me. He's not going to tempt you with something that's not in you. I want you to get that. If the lust and desire is not in you, you can't be tempted with it. So here it goes. The desire becomes pregnant. Here it is. The thought enters your mind. That's a a seed. What you do with that thought, the Bible says to pull down every strong imagination into the obedience of Christ. Let's say you don't do that. The seed's planted. Now, You're thinking about this thought. Now it is becoming pregnant in your soul and in your mind. Now, if you begin to give way to it, you begin to start to strategize and to plan out the sin. I'm using this as an example. If mine, again, was a woman. Oh, she's, again, going back to that, she's attractive. Oh, she's really beautiful. Oh, I really like this about her. Oh, and see, it's going. Now it becomes into my heart, and into my soul, and it's becoming pregnant. I'm dwelling on this thought. The next is when sin grows up. It's there. It's already the seeds planted. You're giving birth to it by your thoughts. You're thinking of it. You're thinking of it constantly, daily. And now it grows up. And then what happens? You act upon the sin. Now I cheat on my wife. I go, I, I, I seek out the woman, and then I And then I give in to the temptation. And then it says, it will bring forth death. This is how we are led away by our own lust and desires. Proverbs 5, 21 says, Mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. He's aware of every step you take. Here it is. The shadow of your sin, You're sinning, there's a shadow cast in the darkness, it will overtake you. When it overtakes you, you are being overtaken in darkness, and then you will find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. And let me tell you something. Satan has led you there, and let me tell you, he will leave you there. When you have fully given over to your sin, And you're committing, and you're you're living the lifestyle, he will leave you deserted and alone. That's your so-called friend. But he isn't. He hates you. The Bible says in John 10.10, the thief comes not, but to steal. He wants to steal your joy. To kill to kill everything about you, to kill to kill any mind that you have for God, to have any joy, and he wants to destroy you. He wants to wipe you out off the earth and he wants your soul to be with him for eternity. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Bible also says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that, they, that the enemy goes around seeking whom he may devour. I've often said that a lot of times the church is responsible for feeding Satan, the lion, the roaring lion, because a lot of times when our brother or sister fall and trips over sin, we want to throw him out of the church. We want to throw them out and here, who's waiting but the enemy to devour him. We know that Satan roams the earth. Let me tell you, Satan is still on a mission. Even though the mission that God had for him has been scrubbed, Satan's now on his mission. And his mission is the mission of destruction. And his mission is to destroy you and to wipe you off and to have you spend eternity with him. That's how bad he hates you. He wants you in his crosshairs. He's lining you up, targeting you. But let me just tell you this. Jesus had him in his crosshairs too on the cross of Calvary. And he says enough is enough. And the time has come that it needs to stop. Jesus said in his last time, he says, I'm not going to talk much with you. He says, because the, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. There was nothing in, there was nothing in Jesus that the enemy could use against him. God kept the plan of salvation from all of eternity. God hid it, the Bible says, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, we speak about the mystery of godly wisdom that God was planning out the glory for us before the world began. I just want to end with this. Here's the mission of the church. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Yes, if our worship team comes. 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 25 through 26. This is the mission for the church. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's heart and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Acts 26, 18 tells us to open the eyes their eyes, so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart for faith in me. For your reference, if you would write Revelations chapter 12, you will see the end of Satan. You will see that he will be destroyed. He will be permanently cast out from heaven. And you will also see in Revelation 12 that he pulled one-third of the angels with him in his demise. He will be thrown into the lake of fire, and he will face an eternal punishment forever and ever. And if you choose to follow his ways instead of God's ways, that is your fate as well. But God, and the last portion of Scripture is this, Romans chapter 5, and verses, I'm going to read verses 17 through 21. It says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, For the sin of this one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many, all of us, have became sinners. But because of one other person's obedience to God, many will be made righteous to God. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. That's the reason of the, the, the law in the Old Testament. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As the band plays, I want to challenge you. We have a prayer team set up. They are going to come forward. And if you have a prayer, if you have a need, I have a God. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if you found that maybe you are being influenced by the enemy, I would challenge you today. I would urge you, I would beg and plead with you to come and receive of God. And yes, the lie was, what can you be transformed in 60 minutes? You can receive transformation like that with God. You can be delivered, you can be healed, saved, and set free in Jesus' name. Thank you for your time this morning. God bless you. Stand up.